Hello, I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. And since we're still in quarantine and things are still special, uh, Tiffany Parks joins me from Rome. Hello. Hi, Tiffany. Hi. <laughs> I'm in Seattle, as many of you know. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about consumerism, now that we're so much of the world is on lockdown. But specifically, there was this idea in an article that I thought would be fun to discuss. And the idea was that because we're all at home and because it's kind of hard to buy things right now. I mean, I know a lot of people are doing online shopping, but more and more you're finding things are sold out. Mm -hmm. You're finding that they won't be delivered for 14 days or more. All this sort of instant gratification is falling away. A lot of the stores that you might shop with are just not open right now. Amazon is backlogged. And from my understanding, are they even delivering in Italy over there right now? They are. They are. We um, haven't tried to to do an order recently, uh, but I did go on their website to check some things out. And things that usually have free shipping are now paid shipping. That's one thing I've noticed. And another thing I've noticed is that yeah, delivery times are are much longer, sometimes even a month. Yes, so that, and also this idea that you're not really supposed to go to the store as much as possible. And really every time you do go to the store, you're just giving, you're exposing yourself to another opportunity to catch this virus or to spread it onto somebody else. And in the US at least, they're saying, you know, you should really aim to not go to the store more than once a week. And if you can do longer than that, then do longer than that. So it's really also brought up the question of, um, you know, jokingly in our house, do you need milk or do you just want milk? You know, <laughs> that question of, is it worth going to the store for this? Or do you have other things that you could eat instead? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are going from maybe the type of people that go to the grocery store every day just to get a few things to now having to really think about how much they want to expose themselves to the outside world. Yeah. All of this is to say, this is going to have a major effect on consumerism, at least in the short term, and maybe for the long term as we rethink what habits we had and, and really ask those questions about what do we actually need. Yeah. But this leads me to the, the point of this, this notion in this article that I thought would be fun to talk about, which is as we are all stuck at home right now, stuck with our stuff as it is currently, not able to bring in anything else, stuck with the people as they are currently that we <laughs> live with or don't live with if we're alone. The concept was that right now, because of the quarantine, we are forced to live the life we built rather than trying to acquire the life that we want. Ooh, interesting point. Mm. Whereas in this consumerism culture or as we make decisions about relationships and such, we're always thinking to the future. Oh, I want this. I want that. I want the carpet, new carpet in my office. I want uh, a better boyfriend or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, what, where's the store that sells better boyfriends, Katie? Well, I'm just saying it, it, we're talking about it from a consumerism lens, but it could also be from a personal lens. Like what choices did I make that have now led me to where I am today? Mm -hmm. But I thought that that concept of 
having to live the life that you built rather than trying to acquire the life that you want. And really we can all look at where we're at and say, did I build what I want <laughs> now that I'm stuck with what I have built? Is this what I actually want in life? And I think that's kind of interesting. It is. Yeah. Okay. So to your point, I have a bathroom situation where I do not like my bathroom furniture. I have a relatively new house, but when we moved in, we spent so much money putting this place together and buying furniture and tiles and, and the kitchen sink. I mean, we, everything. We put every single thing into this place. And the bathrooms were all done as far as tiles and the shower fixtures and the toilets and the sinks and all of that. The one thing that we couldn't get to, the nice bathroom cabinets, the built-in bathroom cabinets. And we just kind of were like, you know what? Let's just leave that for later. And it's three and a half years that we've lived here and we still don't have it. We have sort of like Ikea things that we've sort of thrown underneath the, the sink just to keep our stuff in. And I hate them. I absolutely hate them. And every, every day almost when I'm getting ready for bed, I, I'm picking up whatever toiletries I use. I think to myself, I cannot wait until I have, you know, an actual cabinet with drawers where I can put these things away and I won't see them. I can't stand clutter. And just this morning, I think it was, I was thinking to myself, Tiffany, don't even think about that because you're not going to have that. <laughs> like, just put it out of your mind. This is what you have now. So it's funny that you bring that up because literally just this morning that went through my head. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, and really, as long as this quarantine goes on and we don't really know, but but if there's some book on your shelf that you've been dragging around for the last 10 years and you don't read it during this period of time, you really don't know you're not going to read that book. Well, I have a lot. I have a lot of books on my shelves I haven't read. Yeah, yeah. I am guilty of that. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if I, I... I certainly don't have any answers to any of this. I think we're just adapting right now. And I think that there are bigger questions being raised about that delayed gratification. And, and, and we already know that that not buying a bunch of stuff is helpful to the environment, right? It might not be helpful to the economy, but it's definitely helpful to the environment. And and if all of us come out of this impulse buying less, that would be a good thing. But I don't know. I just had this thought, like as I got into this more and more, this notion of like living the life that you built, it really makes me wonder for some of the expats out there who are out in some other part of the world, quarantined alone, far from family and we all know that when we're far from family when we're living in a different place or friends or what have you but I really wonder once you're stuck in a tiny apartment in some other place in the world by yourself if that is the life that you wanted like when it comes down to you stripping everything away well I do think that like certain people I mean everyone has different priorities and you your priorities are going to change also depending on the period of your life that you're in. If you're a very young person who loves being out and going out and going to hear amazing music every other night and you want to live in Manhattan because that's where you can do that and to you living in a tiny apartment is not a problem because you're out every night and you're with your friends every night, that is the life that you've chosen. When you are forced into your apartment and that whole other side of your life, which might even be more than half of your life, is gone, you didn't sign up for that when you signed up for that apartment. You didn't pick that apartment thinking you'd be there all the time. Yeah. I actually heard a, on another podcast, a podcaster was talking about that who lives in Manhattan and was saying, 
yeah, now I'm stuck with the only thing that I didn't like about living here because now I'm realizing that I just pay an exorbitant amount of rent to live in a small sort of crappy place. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm in here all the time. (laughs) It's awful. Yeah. I mean, and that is the hard part about living in New York. It's sometimes the hard part about living in Rome too, you know, or certainly San Francisco or... Yeah, any big city, any big expensive city. Yeah. As much as I've said to myself so many times, gosh, I wish I were still living in the center. My tiny little five-minute walk could be down some street that's usually clogged with people and I could see Rome empty and I'm not able to do that here because I mean, I'm seeing suburby type. I mean, it's not true suburb, but it's almost a suburb. So on the one hand, I, I wish I still lived in Trastevere, but on the other hand, I'm like, man, though, my apartment is like three times or more the size of what my Trastevere apartment was. I have a big terrace my little walk here, there's some green, you know, I can walk through a little miniature park-like area, which I wouldn't have had in Trastevere. So, and I look out my window and I see open sky here, whereas in Trastevere, I saw across the street, the wall of the next building. So for me, it's better being out here than if I were, if I were cooped up in there, I would be probably feeling worse than I am right now. It was way back in 2013 when we started the show, when I was an expat living in Rome up the street from you. But I had this other experience there where I think my thinking about consumerism actually shifted in Rome. I've never been a a person who loves to go shopping. I'm not one of those people that gets a lot of life out of trying to buy new clothes or something like that. But because I couldn't speak a lick of Italian when I got to Rome uh, and had no idea what was going on, and because so much of Rome you have to actually ask for what you want, buying a light bulb when you can't speak a language takes on a whole new challenge <laughs> in, in Rome than it does here where you can just pop into a store and scan it yourself. But even living there, oh, and because also we were on such a tight budget the year we were there, I basically stopped buying anything that wasn't food or going to a restaurant or going to a museum because I couldn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. So those kind of impulse of like, oh, I wish I had a pair of gloves. I would have had to call you up and be like, hey, <laughs> Tiffany, can you help me get a pair of gloves? <laughs> <laughs> you know, such a pain in the butt. So I think there I already had that that kind of tempered down of, do I really need this? How hard am I going to work to get this thing? Am I going <laughs> to call Tiffany and make her go somewhere with me to get this thing? Or am I going to get on a, a bus and go all the way out to Ikea to try to replace the pillows in this rental apartment? Oh. Or am I going to just put up with it? So I think I already kind of had it tamped down. And, and that has really been one of the lasting effects of traveling and moving and living abroad, at least in my life, is already I ask, do I actually need that thing? Yeah. Before I get it? Or can I borrow it from somebody else? Yeah, I think when you move around a lot before you buy something, you think to yourself, am I going to move this? Yeah. Do I want to move this? <laughs> am I going to want to move this? And if not, it's just you don't buy it. Yeah. That's an expat thing. But it's anybody who moves around a lot, even if you're not moving abroad, it's like, mm, I don't know if I want to have to carry the lug this thing around. Yeah, you pack your stuff enough times. Mm-hmm. Now, I would actually say that Derek is sort of the opposite. We're both pretty frugal, but you know, if he decides he wants to work on a project, he'll order the supplies to get it going, you know, <laughs> and I'll be like, what is all this? <laughs> when I walk down to the living room, there's just boxes open full of stuff. So I think that that's sort of a lasting thing with me and probably also something that has to do with my upbringing of spending habits and how much you have to save versus 
spend, etc. Well, there's also such a thing, according to at least according to Gretchen Rubin, there's the underbuyer and the overbuyer. If you find yourself thinking to yourself a lot, why did I buy this? Why did I buy this? Why? Or, or do you find yourself thinking, oh, I wish I'd bought that thing <laughs> that I needed. Why didn't I buy that when I saw it? I think I'm more the latter, to be honest. I think when I was younger, I might not have been. I might have been a little bit more of a shopper. But now I'm an underbuyer because I just, I, I see something, I'll like it. I'll be like, but do I really want it? Nah, nah. I can live without it. And then sometimes, though, I, I really, I regret that. And I think to myself, oh, I wish I'd bought that. Are you finding now that things, you can't really go to any store, you can't really order anything easily, are you finding that throughout the days you're thinking, oh, I wish I had that or I wish I had that? Are you thinking of things that you wish you could order or are you just sort of hanging out with your stuff, <laughs> just trying to enjoy what you have? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I have not really had the sensation that I need anything. I mean, I'm lucky. I, I feel like I have everything. I feel like, you know, we just bought ink for the printer just before, like, it disappeared from the planet. And there's none on Amazon. And so I'm like, oh, thank God we bought the printer, printer ink. I have all my, like, wonderful different colored pens that I love to have, for, like, when I'm writing out my to-do lists. Everything's color-coded. Like, I have them. They're there. I bought myself, like, a 40-pen pack a couple months ago. I just feel like I got really lucky. Like, when this happened, like, I had a bunch of stuff. And when it first, when we first went into lockdown, I did go on Amazon, and I bought myself a book, which I then, I then returned because it didn't... I bought two books. Okay. I bought two books. One I'm reading. The other I returned because it wasn't what I thought it was. And I bought three presents, three toys for Aurelio and some books because I'm like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if Amazon's going to stop delivering. I, I had no idea. So I'm like, I'm going to get him some gifts so that I can pace them out. We've ended up giving them all to him, but he's okay. He doesn't seem, we all kind of are dealing and both of us have so many books. I could probably get to the end of the year, if not beyond without buying another book, just because I have so many I haven't read. Now, most of them are not books that I really want to read. Otherwise I would have read them already. <laughs> yeah. They look nice. Case in point, War and Peace. But, you know, they're there. If I got desperate enough, I would read them. I actually just pulled a book off the shelf that I started three or four years ago. I never finished, but that I want to finish. That's going to be my, my next read. But, but no, I mean, I'm, I feel lucky. I feel like I, this happened at a good moment. You know, it didn't happen right before Christmas. It didn't happen right before my son's birthday. It didn't happen right before I was about to have a child. I thought a lot about new moms. I have a friend who's expecting in one month. And the buying that you do, first of all, every pregnant woman has nesting syndrome. It's a thing. It's not an invention. It's actually a thing. And you want to feather your nest. You want to buy new curtains. You want to buy a rug for your baby's room. You want to, you want to get all of this stuff so that it's all ready. It's a biological instinct. But beyond all of that feathering, you want, you know, you need the uh, swaddling cloths, you need the bottles, you need the breast pumps, you need, there is so much stuff. I remember making a list of the stuff that I needed to buy. And a lot of it you just put off until sort of the last month. And I think about my friend who's pregnant and I think, oh my gosh, like she, what is she doing? Does she have the stuff she needs? Can she get her hands on what she needs? The outside question of that would be, are there things that you think that you need in that last month that you really don't need? Like if you didn't have, if you couldn't buy swaddling clothes, couldn't you wrap them in a t-shirt real tight? You know, like, I mean, it really is those questions of can you adapt? 
Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, you can't, it's almost impossible to not have a breast pump. I mean, if you really, if you really want to um, breastfeed your baby, you kind of need a breast pump. That's a big one. Diapers are available, so that's not an issue. But um, I mean, I guess you could adapt. I mean, there are parents all over the world who are having babies and have nothing. So, but you know, there are things that I didn't buy. Because as I said, I'm an underbuyer. I'm like, I don't need that. Like the breastfeeding pillow. I was like, I don't need a breastfeeding pillow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Looking back, if I had had a breastfeeding pillow, I would have had a different life. My life. <laughs> I would because the baby can fall asleep on it and then you can move them. Oh. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. just something you don't think of before you have a baby, right? Sure, sure. And so I, I think back sometimes I'm like, why didn't I just bite the bullet and buy that thing? Actually, I thought of one other question I want to ask you before we're done. I want to ask you one first. So, I mean, it's not a question. So, I mean, it's just a, a thought. It's just a question in general. So okay. my wonder is, when all of this ends and we all go back to normal life, the question is, will this sort of new spending or non-spending habit, will it stick or will people go in the other direction? Like, finally, I can shop again and they'll just go nuts. What do you think? It probably depends on the personality. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I can only say what I hope. And my hope is that it doesn't go nuts. My hope is that people be more thoughtful about it. Derek used to have a, a way of going about things when I met him that he still mostly goes by, which is if you really need something, wait until you can buy the best that you can afford of it. If you need a, a new pan, for instance, get by for as long as you can until you've saved up some money to be able to buy a better pan so you don't have to buy a pan again within a year or two, a couple years, you know? Uh, and I kind of love that idea of buy less, but buy better quality so you don't have to keep buying stuff. That's an Italian thing, actually, as well. Yeah, and I, I like that. And I, frankly, honestly, when we do do that, the things that we buy, we end up really kind of treasuring more. Like, we like it better. It works better. It's a better pan. It's easier to cook with. It doesn't stick as much, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. It's better than the short-term fix. And then when we do the short-term fix stuff, that's the stuff that we get rid of when we move again. Yeah, or we throw away because it wears out, like clothes particularly. It's changing now because Italy is becoming more, more Americanized, like so many European countries are. But when I first started coming to Italy back in the 90s, there were not very many big shops. You know, the shops were very small. They were family-owned. And if you walked into a clothes shop... There was a person there who would show, who almost had their stuff behind the counter, that kind of a situation. I mean, some, some shops were a little more modern, but the stuff there was much more expensive. The clothes were much more expensive, even if they weren't really well-known brands, but they were made so much better. And the idea was you had less clothes, but they were better and they lasted longer and they looked better. And so even like business people, they would have maybe like three suits, you know, you'd have maybe three suits and you'd, you'd, you'd just wear the same suits, but they would last and they would be really well made. And instead of like filling your closet with rags that then just fill the landfills, yeah. <laughs> sorry, but I mean, that's what they, that's what they are. If you look at like a lot of the clothes that I mean, I myself wear, like the stuff that you get at certain yes. cheap clothing shops and you know, they just wear out and they're made of who knows what. That's true. Yeah. So my, my final question to you is, 
Is there anything in your house that with this extra amount of time you've found that you maybe weren't using prior that you find yourself using now or have you at least touched? Well, I will say that there were about 10 or more photo frames packed away, never used, never opened that we bought at a, like a really cute house store here in Rome that we had in our little storage container under our bed. And Claudio just one day, like about three days ago, he was just like, enough. And he pulled out all of the photographs that we had. Some of them were old family photographs, like of my dad and his dad, like old black and whites. And some of them were just photos that we had of ourselves, of us with our friends, our family, some baby pictures that we have from Aurelio. And he just laid them all out. He went through the frames and like he put all the pictures in frames and he put them up on the walls. Oh, that's good. I haven't got the pressure cooker out yet (laughs) or the rice cooker. (laughs) I haven't used either of them ever. So that's your challenge is to figure out how to use the pressure cooker and to get the rice cooker out. Yeah. Okay. And you? Um, not really. I mean, I've been pretty much following the same habit. My workday is very similar yeah. <laughs> as it was. I mean, with the exception that, as I mentioned before, a lot of the paid stuff is going away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the workday itself is very similar. However, I have been thinking that like the family members of mine that are doing the best are making this time slightly different than normal. And so I was thinking I should give myself permission to take a day off. And for a long, long, long time, I have owned all the letters and photographs that were written by my grandmother's brother when he was in World War II. Wow. He was a fighter pilot in the military. And notes about him being in training and and during the war, everything he sent back to his parents. And I thought, during this time, I'm going to pull all that paperwork out, and I'm actually going to read it. Oh. And it's not something I bought, but I've been meaning to to go through all that for I don't even know how many years. And what better time yeah. than to delve into the past and read these notes that he was sending home. That's cool. So, Very cool. You might, yeah. you might consider scanning them. I know I should. And sending them to your other family member. A, for posterity, because ink on paper only lasts so long but also you could send the best ones to your other family members yeah so that they could read them too i should do that that would be a nice thing for me to do sounds like a terrible project though (laughs) (laughs) nothing worse than hanging over a scanner it it depends (laughs) how many there are it's a it's a full-on like binder this big you guys can't see (laughs) it's like a binder but slightly more stuffed yeah so that's something and and we also have done some cleaning out just a little bit barely we had almost really started that prior to all this and that's one of the really frustrating things is you can't donate anything right now and there is stuff in our house regardless of all the moves that we definitely don't need and don't want that we shouldn't have bought and all that stuff is just sitting in a box in the basement bugging me you know, and it's going to be sitting down there the whole time. And I'm going to, every time I walk by it to do the laundry, I'm going to think, why did we buy all that stuff? We didn't need that stuff. Mm. So learning situation. It's a learning moment. Anyway, well, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it living the life that we've built rather than the life that we're trying to acquire and contemplate that. Uh, if you haven't already, we're getting a lot of really wonderful voice memos from people giving a snapshot of their day. I'm going to start putting that show together tomorrow, which is Friday, this Friday, if you're listening on Thursday. So if you haven't already and you really want to participate, send us your voice memo 
ASAP, do it right now. Uh, record your name, where you are in the world, and just a snapshot of a moment of your day and send it to us at bittersweetlife at mail.com. Bittersweetlife at mail.com. And we're going to try to include as many of those as we can in our Day in the Life show, which will be on Monday. Great. Yay. Send those in. Yeah, follow us on social media and follow Tiffany also on Instagram and you can participate in her daily quarantine lit challenge. Yeah, I'm having fun with that. But which I've been following along with. You never participate though. No, I don't. You should. Well, I feel like I should let somebody else do it because I talk to you all the time. Well, still, <laughs> you, we don't talk about books. That's true. But yeah, I'm running out of classics, though. I can send you some if you want. I'll send you some uh, openings if you want. Okay. All right. Um, yes, but follow us on social media. Look for the Bittersweet Life podcast. And until next time, this has been your midweek bittersweet full episode, even though it was supposed to be a moment. <laughs> That's part of the joys of all being stuck together. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. This is the Bittersweet Life. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, leave us a good review. And please tell all your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment, send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlifeatmail.com. Or you can just find us at the contact page at thebittersweetlife.net. Or on all the social medias, just search for The Bittersweet Life. Bittersweet Life.